Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Isn't God good? Thank you, Lord. At the end, I think we'll, we'll pray again, and uh, I just want you know, to just agree with what was said before. We're going to trust God that for an outpouring of His Spirit, and if you have not yet received the outpouring of the Spirit of God in your life, if you've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you have a desire for Him in your life, then I, I want to invite you at the end to come forward. We, we will pray for you. Amen. God says that's one of the things that the Lord invites us to ask. He says, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Amen. Isn't that exciting that he says, you should ask this. Hot tip. He said, you should ask this. Ask this one. <laughs> Pray this prayer. Amen. Um, we had such a precious time at uh, First Monday Prayer on Monday. Um, Sure that if you weren't there, you really missed out. We, we took some time to worship and we took some time to hear from God. And we took just a lot of time out to listen to what God was saying to us as a congregation. And we wrote a lot of things down. And it was so precious this week as we as the elders were working through those cards that uh, people filled in saying, this is what I feel God is saying for us as a congregation. And it was so encouraging. It was so encouraging not only to see the individual cards and how many there were, but also to see the, the themes coming out, to see how many things were repeated. And uh, we'll take the next couple of, the rest of this month as we were fasting and praying to pray through those. And I want to ask you to continue to send to us what you feel God is laying on your heart as you're fasting and praying. Amen? It's so encouraging to see how God is directing us. One of the things that came out, one of the words that was shared was that, that we should be praying for the first years. First year students that are starting now, um, a couple of weeks back we were praying for the children starting school. At the first years are starting this week, this afternoon, they're going to be introduced at the residences to the local congregations. And they, they're starting campus now. So this is such a crucial time for every first year. So I want us to take just, I'm going to pray with taken a lot of time now, which, which I'm really happy about, so I'm going to be preach very briefly, but that's fine. God has already, anyway, ministered off my sermon, so that's all good. But um, uh, won't you just agree with me? Let us pray for the first years, amen? Hallelujah. Lord, we bring before you every first year for every campus in Pretoria to you right now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we entrust them into your hands. Lord, this is such an absolutely critical time of their tertiary education career, Lord. And we, we bring them before you, Lord. We ask that you do a mighty work in every heart. That you would stir hearts with a hunger and a thirst for you, Lord. Even this afternoon as churches are being introduced and they get exposure to what's happening on campus ministry-wise. Lord, we pray that you'd stir hearts with your passion for your name. Stir hearts again to come to draw near to you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you'd stir in each one a hunger and a thirst for you, Lord. A hunger and a thirst 
for righteousness in the name of Jesus, Lord. Lord, we pray that you'd bless them in their studies. We pray that you'd protect them. We pray, Lord, that you'd cover them from every side. Lord, that you would, instead of them being swallowed up in, in such negative uh, um, ways of doing things and cultures around campuses, we pray, Lord, that they would be swallowed up in, into the life that is in the local church, Lord, that they would be that you would draw them into the fold, Lord. We pray that you'd send them to us and to so many congregations across the city ministering to students. And we pray for a harvest of souls among them in the name of Jesus. And we trust you, Lord, for your kingdom to come in every life of every first year in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen. Hallelujah. See, now I'm emotional already. All right. Praise the Lord, and thank you, Father, for your word this morning. We pray that you would minister to us, that you would lead us in your truth, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I only have time for my conclusion. That's good. <laughs> okay, I'll try, and, I'll try and I'll get through most of this. Okay, Abraham, known as the father of the faith. I've been spending a bit of time in Genesis. Oh, Guys, I've been so encouraged. It's stuff that we know, it's stuff that we've read before, but as, a, as I've read, just read Genesis, there's so much that God has been ministering to me and encouraging me with. So I'm just going to try and share, share some of that with you guys this morning. Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Um, this is the chapter that talks about the heroes of the faith. It's the faith chapter, right? Um, verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to, a place that he, out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in a land of promises in a foreign land, living in, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive. Hallelujah. Even when she was past the age, she was 90. Hallelujah. Okay, since she considered him faithful who had promised, therefore from one man and him as good as dead. Okay, Abraham, that's not a compliment. Okay, he was 100. Were born descendants as many as the stars of the, um, um, of the sky and as many as the numerable grains of sand by the seashore. And then it goes on in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, um, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And we, this is the Abraham we know, amen? The father of the faith, the one that is just accomplished incredible feats of faith. And so many times, you know, we hear God introducing himself as the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abram is indeed the father of the faith. But I was so encouraged to see that even a man of the stature of faith, of, like Abram, grew in his faith. I was so encouraged to see that even a man like Abram messed up a lot. Okay, no, I wasn't encouraged that he messed up, but I was encouraged that, that he managed to get through the messing up. And he continued to grow in his faith. And I just wanted to pick out a couple of 
just examples from the life of Abraham. And, and I'm trusting it for us to be encouraged by what God did. Amen. Firstly, just the interesting thing I saw in Genesis 11. There's a lot of scripture I'm going to read this morning. We'll see if we get through all of it. Um, okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing here. But this mentions how Terah, the, the, the father of Abraham, he moved to Canaan. He, he felt he must move to Canaan. How cool is that? Eh? Let's read that bit here. Terah took Abraham, his son, and, and Lot, the son of Aaron, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his, his son, Abraham's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. How cool is that? But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were two of 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So I'm, 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 comfortable. I'm wondering, I shouldn't get distracted now, but I'm, I was wondering, did God speak to him as well? Did God call him in the similar way that he called Abram? And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, did, was God's plan to actually have him be the father of the faith? And, but then he got sidetracked and he, got, he settled somewhere along the way. I'm wondering about this. Because I'm not saying this is what the Bible says. I'm, I'm, can't, I'm just speculating here. But I've seen often, and this is kind of a theme in the, in the life of Abram, I've seen when God calls us, we hear his promise, and somewhere we get sidetracked, and we see something that looks good and looks okay, or we, or we, or we, try, we, we allow something to, to tempt us into settling for something that's second best. That's not God's promise. We, we get tempted into settling for something like a, our own version. This looks fine. It's not exactly what God says, but maybe this, this is okay. I'm going to settle for this. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering whether Abram was the second choice here, okay? But let's not wonder too much. Let's go to what the scripture says in just the next chapter. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing now, but he promises them, and then he does move in obedience. And then verse 7, Lord appeared to Abram, saying, to your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, um, and called Upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward Negev. But what I want to mention right here is that even in these this early days of Abram's faith, he responds. He, he responds to the voice of the Lord. And that's one of the first things that as we grow in our faith is to learn, for us to learn to respond like we did this morning. If God says something, I need to respond. Amen? If God speaks to me, I need to respond. If I read the scripture, and I'm trying to teach my children this, we're not reading the scriptures as a nice story or cool or this is interesting. We're reading it for application. I'm reading the scripture to say, what is God telling me to do right now? What is the scripture teaching me about my life right now? Okay, so we see Abram learning to respond. And then what I love here is that Abram builds altars and worships. Building an altar wasn't a quick thing, five minutes. It must have been quite a mission, right? Big, 
a bit of construction going on and building an altar, getting stones together, you know, finding something to sacrifice. You know, it's, it was a big thing. But right here, even in the early days of his faith, he makes time deliberately to worship God. Amen? And to sacrificially give to God. Can you see those two keys? So he lives a life of worship, even as a young believer, as a young, young in the faith. He's worshiping regularly. He's making time. He's setting time aside. He's, he's, it's, a, it's a sacrificial thing. I'm sure he didn't have it in his schedule to stop now and take a couple of hours to build an altar, but he set that time aside. And not just once or twice. You can see through our Genesis, it happens a lot, okay? All right, so we see him worshiping. We see him blessing God. We see him give thanks to God. And this is the account of the first time where Abraham where God calls Abraham, he tells him what's going to happen, he talks to him about his offspring, and he, he, uh, he speaks that blessing and that promise over Abraham's life. Such a powerful moment. But I want to just remind you, even in chapter 11, just before, it already said Sarah was barren. She couldn't bear children. And they said that quite a lot. And all of the, all of Genesis, it says, Sarah was barren. So, unfortunately, Abram's wife could not bear children. So there, immediately, there's a problem. Because now the Lord is promising lots of offspring, but his wife is not having any children. Okay, so there, immediately, Abram's, Abram's faith that is growing is now challenged. All right? Okay, so he does, he responds to what God says. They pack up and they move. And I just want to make a side note here. And this is something, a theme that we see throughout the life of Abram. And this is, blesses me so much. Abram didn't have scripture to read, right? He didn't have a, bookie, a booklet with the promises of God. He didn't have that. Okay, we're blessed today, right? He just had, this, had these amazing encounters with God. He didn't just have that. He had these amazing encounters with God. And he responded to God, not because somebody said, look, it's in Scripture, not because he felt he's going to go to hell. He was obedient to God because he trusted in God's promise. Can you see that? That his obedience came from believing that God would be faithful to his promise. And that moved him into obedience. And that we see this all through these, these life. And I believe that is something God is calling us to, that we should be obedient to God because we know He is faithful. Amen? Just a quick example from Colossians 3. Did I put it here? Yes, I did. Okay. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Maybe that's a scripture, a word for somebody today. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Do your work. Do what you're busy with, your studies, your job, your parenting, whatever you ha your hands are doing at the moment. Do it as for the Lord and not for men. Why? Knowing. Not, not do it as for the Lord, not for the men. Knowing that you will receive a nice salary and a bonus. Knowing whatever. No, knowing that, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He's saying our obedience should be that we know that from God we will receive an inheritance. Amen? 
Not because of the paycheck, not because of anything else, not because of the promotion, not because of the whatever, because of my boss is going to scream at me, but because I know I'm going to receive an inheritance from the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe that's for somebody this morning. And then we continue Genesis 12. And this is crazy. This is, uh, there's a famine. Just, just tell me if this sounds familiar. There's a famine. And then for them to survive, they have to go to Egypt. Okay? And then Abram does a weird thing. He, he, he's afraid that because his wife is so beautiful, I have the same problem, that um, that's, the Egyptians are going to take her. All right? So then he says, he tells them he's, Sarah is his sister. Um, so he, can you see that he's, he's still growing in his faith? He's afraid... He thinks they're going to kill him to get his wife. So he just pretends she's something else. And then stuff goes pear-shaped for the poor Egyptians because the Pharaoh takes, uh, takes Sarah, okay? And, uh, and to then, obviously now God's plan is coming apart, it seems, because now Abram doesn't have a wife or his wife has been taken into Pharaoh's house. So God has to act to preserve the bloodline of Jesus Christ. He has to act to preserve his plan of his, for Israel to be... Does it sound familiar? Do we, do we see that anywhere else in Scripture? Egypt, preserving, famine, crazy stuff, eh? So what happens to Pharaoh? He gets plagues. Huh? You know that the pure Egyptians got it twice, okay? <laughs> so because of having Sarah in his house, he, they, they got just crazy plagues. And... Uh, and they, and, they, and they had to go to Abram and say, what have you done to us? You know, um, okay, okay, wait, I've got it on there. Let's quickly read that one bit. Verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this that you've done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her for my wife? Oh, then here is your wife. Take her and go. Okay, just before that, we see that because for the sake of for Sarah, uh, the Egyptians blessed Abram. So they came in because of the famine. God preserved his plan, and they left with a lot of riches. Does it sound familiar? It's exactly what happened a couple of hundred years later. Um, we see God preserving the bloodline. We see them leaving after a bunch of plagues. We see them leaving Egypt um, with a lot of riches. Okay, so God is working with a plan. Okay. So Pio Pharaoh, um, the Egyptians got it a couple of times. So, so they leave. God has preserved his plan. Um, but you, can you see here that Abram is not yet where he wants to be? He's still struggling with fear. He's, he doesn't know how this is going to happen. He pretends his wife is his sister. It's not, it's not good. Okay, so we continue. Um, and then we see this powerful moment here in Genesis 15. Actually, before Genesis 15, I just want to mention this as well. I'm not going to read the scripture. But in Genesis 13, 14, and we see Abram continually looking out for his nephew Lot. All right? And to such an extent that although he's the senior, he's the patriarch, he keeps on deferring to Lot. He gives him the better land. He allows him to choose. He goes and rescues him when he's in trouble. And we see also there, um, so we continually see, you know, Abram growing in Christ-likeness. He, he, he's, he's putting others before himself. He's, 
He's um, at one point powerfully, we see him powerfully interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he spends time in intercession. He's interceding before God, pleading for the lives of those cities. Can you see how that is such a crucial part of our, our growth in our faith? Growing in a place of selflessness, growing in a, in a place where I put others before myself, uh, growing in a place where I, I'm interceding for others, um, and this is, you know, the, this is the month to do it in, not only this month, but be fasting and praying, so join us um, in that. But we see him growing in that, in that way. And also we see there in, in chapter 14, he's growing in his faith, he's trusting God with his finances, right? He's, he tithes, the first time we read about tithing, he tithes to Melchizedek. He, he's, he's growing in his in generosity. He's growing in, in how he, he operates in his finances. And that's such a crucial part of us growing in our faith. I mean, there's a lot of we can learn from Abram. And then we see Genesis 15. God restates his promise. I'm just going to quickly read it for us. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. Abram's been, been afraid, all right? I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. Now Abram is saying, God, I don't understand how this could happen. You've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and looked towards he- um, and he said, Look towards heaven. Number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then I said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he, and he believed God. How cool is this? He believed God. And he counted it to him as righteousness. This was the foundation of his righteousness, is that he believed the promise of God. That he believed what God was saying to him. That he put his faith in, in, the, in God's promise and, and who God was. It was accounted to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. Uh, But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? But Abram was still not getting this. How is it going to be possible? I don't have any kids. My wife is barren. And how often do we wrestle with God in terms of the promise that he has made? And we cannot see how it's going to happen. We can't see it. And we doubt and we wonder and we... And how often do we do that same thing as we settle for something else? We settle for something best, second best. We settle for some, a plan B of our own, okay? So he's still wrestling with this thing. Um, and what happens here, very powerful, is that God says, as a sign, he's going to make covenant with Abraham. And he, he, get, he gives Abraham instructions and they get the animals together and they and he cuts basically cuts covenant with himself go and read that it's really powerful moment and he's saying to abram abram i'm going to give you a sign i'm going to make a covenant with you to show you that i'm will be faithful to my promise don't worry about how it's going to happen okay i'm going to make it happen i don't know about you but i often worry about how it's going to happen i have to repent a lot even like your was saying um, I, I want to do it on my own strength. I want to fix it. And this is unfortunately what we see happens just after this, is that 
Sarah comes up with a plan. She says, listen, Abram, this is not going to happen. Okay, look at me. I'm 80-something I'm years old. I'm not even, if you know biology, she was like physically past that cycle in her life. She, there wasn't biologically, physically, no chance of her ever bearing any children. Okay, So she says, Abraham, this is not going to happen. We must help God. <laughs> she didn't say that, but this is how we think. We think, I'm going to have to make something happen here. I'm going to have to kind of... I'm going to have to come up with something because God's promises are not coming together. Is it, is it, and how often do we do that? And um, they're wrestling through this. Abram listens to his wife, which in general is a, good, is a good thing. But right in this moment, not a good thing. And they make a plan. They try to fix it. And they settle for something else. They get a surrogate, Hagar, and they try something in the flesh to see if they can make it happen. And I believe that's such a crucial part of our faith, growing in our faith, is to, to, to resist that temptation of trying to make, to force God's plans. And Lord, I, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm, I'm going to try and make it happen. And then we go into the flesh, and then this stuff just goes normally pear-shaped downhill very quickly from there. Amen? So that's such a powerful step where we realize I can't afford to go into the flesh. I can't start. I can't take the journey of faith that I've started and then try and complete it in the flesh. Can you see that? I can't start something in faith and then try and continue it in my own strength. It just doesn't work. But what I'm also encouraged with here is that God has patience. And he says, no, no, guys. This is not the plan. <laughs> and then he, he reminds them of the plan again. And then, this is so cool, he, um, he says, no guys, this is not the plan. And he blesses Ishmael, and he blesses Hagar. But he says, guys, this is not the plan. I'm going to give you an offspring. Amen? Um, and then he says, listen, to show this, um, he changes Abram's name. Abram, he was, from up to that point, he was A-B-R-A-M, Abram. And he changes his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. And this is what we need. <laughs> we need to allow the Lord to change who we are. That we are able to see ourselves the way he does. That we are able to take the identity that he has for us. That, that to, this revelation that when we are in Christ... It's such a crucial part of our growth in Christ. We come to Him and then we are changed. We are made new. Amen? We receive a new identity. We receive a new name. And um, spiritually, we are made completely new. And this is, we cannot walk in the promise of God unless we learn to look at ourselves the way God looks at us. Amen? So God changes His name. He says, listen, this is just, from now on, when everybody, whenever anybody calls you, or phones you, or send you a text, or send an email, or whatever. When everybody talks to you, they're going to be affirming my promise to you. Every time they say your name. You are the father of a multitude. Amen. Guys, this is so amazing. And um, if you haven't, again, if you haven't done Bible school, we deal with this a lot in terms of who we are in Christ. What is our identity? Also in the Encounter Cycle series, so please get to that. Getting to grips with who has God called you to be? Who are you in Christ? 
walk and, and being able to see yourself inside already the promises of God already in me. Amen. Even if I can't see it, even if it's completely impossible in my eyes, we need to see ourselves as that. We need to see the promises of God as part of who we are. Does that make sense? Okay. Hallelujah. I'm rushing a bit, but I'm almost there. Okay. Then we see the miracle happen. Okay. Firstly, he changes his name, and then he sends angels. He sends angels to confirm. He actually appears to Abraham and says, No, I haven't changed the plan. And he says, A year from now, Sarah will have a son. And Sarah laughs. She thinks, no, this is crazy stuff. She's like 90 at that point. Abram's pushing 100, okay? And God again affirms his promise. He says, hang in there. Don't give up. Don't settle for plan B. Don't settle for second best. Hang in there. And then the miracle happens. Sarah falls pregnant, and she has a son, Isaac. It's ridiculous. Um, it's physically impossible. But God makes it happen. Amen? So Abram was 100 when he was born. I think Sarah was 90. God is indeed the God of the impossible. He is indeed the one that performs his word, even if it makes no sense on every, any level. He will perform his promise. Amen? Do not settle for that plan B. Hang in there. Don't make your own plan. I remember back in the day, we were just starting out. I remember friends saying, Yosh, she's really staying in faith for the Lord, you know, to provide new tires for a car. And then she added, but if it doesn't come through, I'll just swipe it. I'll just put it on my credit card. <laughs> I thought, mm, okay. Isn't that how often our faith works? We think, yo, I'm really going to trust God, but I already have a plan B in place. When it, if he doesn't. I really believe God is calling us to a faith where we don't have a plan B. Amen? Where we don't put our faith in anything else and we don't have a plan B or C. But we hang in there and trust that God will provide. Then we see the crazy thing happening in Genesis chapter 22 and I want to almost close with this. And now let's read this from Genesis chapter 22. God tests Abraham. But praise God, Abraham has come a long way. His faith has been tested. And he has seen God's faithfulness. Amen? He has tasted and he has seen that God is faithful. So let's read from Genesis 22 verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, just to confirm, your only son, Isaac, just to confirm, you whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. This is hectic. He doesn't test him with anything. He tests him with the culmination of everything that has ever promised Abraham. This is it. He's only got one son, and this is the son of promise. This is the son of covenant. This is the son through whom everything that God has promised Abram will come to pass. And this is, this is whom he tests him with. He says, I want you to give up this one, the one that you love, and the one in which all my promises are 
inside him. <laughs> I want you to give him up. And can you see how Abraham has grown? He doesn't fast and pray for three weeks. The next morning, he goes. How hectic is that? He rose early, not late morning. Didn't have time to fast and pray that morning. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar. Then Abram said to his young, to young men, You stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. He was confident that somehow he, I, Isaac would come back with him. Amen. And Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, um, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went. Uh, Isaac was carrying the, his, the, the wood for his own sacrifice, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. He knew about worship, he knew what they were going to be doing, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God, this is so powerful, God will provide for himself the lamb. For a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. And we see God, Abram has now come to a place where he has tasted and seen that God is faithful. He has experienced the goodness of God. He knows God. He is, was called friend of God. His righteousness was not based on anything else but the fact that he believed God. Counted to him as righteousness. So they go up on the mountain and he ties Isaac down and he actually lifts up the knife. And it says that we read, we read in Hebrews at the beginning, we read there, it says that he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. So he knew even if he had to sacrifice his son, even if he had to sacrifice this promise, even if they had to give up this thing that he had been waiting for his whole life, God was the one that was, was able to raise it from the dead, raise him from the dead again. Amen? God will require of us to give up the stuff that we've been trusting for and the stuff that we've been hoping for and the stuff that we've been praying for. Even when it comes to path, path there was probably going to be a time where we're going to have to give that up. Amen? So just in the way, but can you see how powerful this is? Abram knows that even if he has to give up this very culmination of everything that God has promised him, God is the one that's able to resurrect this promise from the dead. He's able. So when you, if you're in a position where, where it looks like the promises of God, God is requiring it back from you, and you have to give up that thing or those things. Know that He is the one that can raise it from the dead again. He's given it in the first place. I mean, from, a, from an absolute place of a, a barren, a dead womb, God was able to give life. So Abram knew He's able to resurrect this promise, this son of His, if need be. But He has tasted and He has seen and He now knows God. He knows He is faithful. Amen. And then... God provides indeed, He provides a ram, just as He raises His knife. 
He's literally going to do it. And right in that moment, God provides the ram in the thicket. And he says, wait, stop. And then we see this really powerful uh, scripture where where God says, because you have not withheld your son, your only son whom you love, I know that you love me. And he provides the ram and he loosens Isaac and they're able to sacrifice and worship. Abram changes, he names the place God will provide. God will provide for himself a lamb, a perfect lamb. Amen. And, and God so powerfully says to Abram, I, he sees this reaction, this obedience as a sign of Abram's love for him. Can you see that? The fact that he is willing to give his only son and willing to sacrifice his only son. He sees, God says, this is the sign and this confirms to me that you love me. And can you see that 2,000 odd years later, God uses that very same sign to confirm his love for you and I. 2,000 years later, not very far from that exact place, God uses that same sign. He says, God provides indeed the perfect lamb. And he provides a lamb for the perfect sacrifice. He uses that same sign, which for him was a sign of Abram's love, to demonstrate his love for us. He says, I love you so much that I will give and provide the perfect lamb. I will give my only son in your place. He does the greatest miracle of all, of all time. He does the most, the, the most impossible thing of all time by providing this lamb. And he, say, he saves, he pays the price for the sins of the whole world. Not very far from that very place, Jesus, in obedience to the Father, lays down his life for each of us, for the sins of the whole world. And he not only dies, but he, ra- he rises from the dead. So that we can have life. Amen. Let's stand. I just want us to pray briefly. Where are the other tissues? Abraham grew in his faith. Amen. It's so encouraging to me that the father of the faith had to grow in his faith. He had to walk a road. He had to take this journey with God. And there were many low points. He did that thing with Sarah twice, where he pretended that she's his sister. And both times, the poor other guy had big problems. Okay, <laughs> But God was patient. And he used those opportunities just to bless them even more. As we walk this road of faith, Let's do like Abraham. Let's embrace every opportunity to grow. Let's, let's grow in our humility. Let's grow in serving each other. Let's grow in like he did with Lot, giving the best, you know, deferring to others, putting others before ourselves. Coming to a place where we lay down our lives for, for those around us. That's part of why we intercede. That's why we, are, why we have intercession. That's why we share our faith. You know that sharing our faith is a, a powerful way of 
laying something down, laying your fear of man down, laying your inhibitions down so that somebody else may have life, so that somebody else may be saved from the pit. That's a selfless act. That's something where we, 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 we lay our own flesh down and we make time to worship God, we make time to serve others around us with His love, by praying for others, by interceding like Abram did, by sharing our faith. And I trust that, we, that I believe, and I, I believe God is calling us to that kind of faith this morning. Not the faith that is built on our trusting that He is faithful. As Hebrews 1 says, Hebrews 11 says that He, without faith it's impossible for us to please God. But, but those that, that come to Him must believe that He is who He says He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Amen. That, we are, that our obedience would be based not on anything else but the fact that we know that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, that He is faithful to His promise, that He is faithful to make the impossible possible, that He is faithful to deliver us and heal us. To, you know, how often do we come to Christ and we say, Lord, I'm so filthy in my sin. How can you, how can you cleanse me? I'm so broken. How can you heal me? I don't, I don't see how it's possible. But he says, through the blood of Jesus, it is indeed possible. And similarly, let's, let's walk the journey of faith where we learn to grow in trusting God in our finances, where we grow in our, in our tithing, in our giving, in our generosity. Such a crucial part of us getting to know the goodness of God. I can, I can keep you busy all day with just testimonies of our God has used that finances and trusting Him for provision to, for us, for me personally, to grow in, in my faith. So let's grab those opportunities. Give sacrifice. Give in obedience to what God is saying to you. And then grow in our resisting, our ability and our faith to resist, to settle for plan B. Resist that temptation to settle for something else or something that, not what God said, and to convince ourselves that it's okay. I'm trusting God for us to grow in that. I mean, for, to that temptation that, Lord, I'm just going to help you out here a little bit. Because <laughs> it seems your plan is not coming together and your timing is definitely off. I mean, 100 years is not a nice to, to raise a, a baby. I mean, I don't know if you've had a toddler recently, but need some energy. <laughs> so that temptation to help God out, we would resist that, amen. And I believe one of the absolute crucial ways for us to come to this place of knowing who He is, of knowing His promises, is to absolutely immerse ourselves in the, in the Scripture. Amen. What is He saying about you? Who, what, who is this guy? Who is this? What's this identity that God has for you? Immerse yourself in the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to make it part of who you are. That your name will be different. That you, that you realize that you see yourself the way God sees you. And that you see His promise as part of who you are. Every single one in Scripture. Amen. That you see it already as part of who you are. Part of your identity. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. 
Lord, we look at the life of Abraham, Lord, and we are amazed at your faithfulness, that even the father of the faith, that you walk this road with you, God. And Lord, this morning we, we come humbly before you, Lord, and we, we ask that you would, that we actually, we, we know you're already here with us. We know that you have already sent your helper. You've already sent the one that comes alongside us. You've already sent him, and he's right here with us, and he's taking us by the hand. But this morning, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we again say, Lord, we respond to that. And we choose to take you by the hand. We choose to respond to the helper, Lord. We choose to say, God, yes, I need you to grow in my faith. I need you, Lord, to, to grow in, like Abraham did, to be able to inherit the inheritance of your blessing through our lives, your blessing through the nations, through our lives, Lord. That in us, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. We need you, God. Deliver us from the temptation to settle for something else. Deliver us from the temptation to go into the flesh, Lord. Fill us afresh with your spirit, Lord. That we would know you, Lord. That we would truly taste and see that you are good. And that when the test comes, Lord, by your grace, that we would be able to respond out of that place of a knowledge of who you are. The one that is faithful to make, bring life out of death. The one that is able to make dead bones into an army. The one that is able, the one that is faithful to make light shine into darkness. Thank you, Father. If you're here this morning, and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, as we just continue to pray, if you, if you don't have a confidence that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and right now you know you are far from Him, then this morning I believe He's inviting you to become a part of this covenant that we have through the blood of Jesus. That He's inviting you to respond to His love that He's already demonstrated on the cross. He said, this is how much I love you. I will give my only Son in your place. If you need to respond to that, this morning, if you want to lay down your life this morning and you want to follow Jesus as your king, if you want to give over control of your life, if, you want to, if you're ready to repent of your sin and to turn away from sin and to follow him this morning, it would be my privilege to pray with you. I believe the Lord is calling you right now. He's calling you to himself. While every eye is closed, if that's you this morning and you know you need to make right with him, would you just raise your hand, please, just briefly. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? If you know the Lord is stirring in your heart, you need to respond to Him. And I ask if you raise your hand, couldn't see in the back there, but if you want to respond to God this morning, be very bold and please come stand in the front here. We'd love to pray with you just to cement what God is doing in your heart right now. It's going to take a bit of a step of boldness. Thank you. Thanks so much. Amen. Can I have someone to facilitate us to come pray, please? Hallelujah, God is good, amen. amen. We're 
going to allow them just to pray together. And I just want to invite you also, as we said before, if you need the Holy Spirit in your life, if you have a desire just for the outpouring of the Spirit and for more of Him in your life, please come forward. I'm just going to close the service now. It's been quite long, and I thank you for your patience. I did my best, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to close the service now, but if you need to respond to God, while others are having coffee and tea outside, please come to the front. We'd love to pray with you. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your promise, God. And pray in the name of Jesus that this word will become flesh in our lives, God. That your name will be glorified. That your kingdom will come in our lives this week, Lord. And forevermore. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need the infilling of the Spirit, if you need to be have an encounter with Him again, if you have any other need, please come forward. If you need to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart, please come forward. We love to pray. Amen. God bless. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.